Hello and welcome to another episode of the Overcoming Life Podcast. I am your host, Nashawn. Not that that matters that much. Hopefully we, well, it's another beautiful Monday, the 1st of February. And I'm guessing that time is going to be moving a little bit faster now. Everyone's anticipating something. Everyone's waiting for something to to happen or pop off or something to go horribly wrong. And, <laughs> um, well, <laughs> I, all I can say is I hope it doesn't. But, um, you know, I, I, I think it's important to hold out hope for whatever we can. And as long as we have hope, I think that we're we're going to be in, in good shape. But for the most part, there is going to be, I think there's going to be a lot of disclosure coming out here pretty soon. Um, I think that there's too much information that's already out there. And I feel like the collective consciousness of people around the world is so much more expanded. People have expanded their conscious base. That is to say, um, what you might have not believed a year ago or two years ago, I think people are opening up to seeing that, wow, there could actually be some, there could actually be some, some issues going on. And I wouldn't have believed before had this not happened or had this happened, I wouldn't have believed it, but now I do. And I think that there's a lot of, I think that there's a lot that's going on that is kind of pushing us towards this idea that maybe there is something else going on out there. Um, it kind of reminds me of the X-Files, you know, in the beginning. Of, you know, doo -doo -doo. Uh, sorry, I can't remember exactly the intro, but um, they are out there or it's out there or something like that. And it's like, ooh, you know, you think about aliens, you think about um, extraterrestrials, you think about the consciousness, you think about who you are, identity, and purpose, and, you know, what what are we doing here on Earth? All that stuff starts to come into play. It's, it's It can be scary, especially when you've been indoctrinated for so long that these things don't exist. It's fictional. Um, there's nothing, like, all the science that we have is all the science that we know. There's nothing that exists beyond us, that we are the we're at the top of the food chain. We are the people to beat. We're, we're the ones with the target on our back. And um, uh, for some of you guys, oh, man, it, it just, the rabbit trails goes deep. And I, it's hard for me because I don't, there's a lot of studying that I've been doing and a lot of research that I've been doing um, that, to be honest, I, I, I just, I've already had people call me crazy. So um, I'm not afraid of that. But, I, you know, I just want to, prepare I just want to prepare people not for the worst but I want to prepare people to be ready uh, because there's I just think that there are some things out there you know for example we'll talk about um, something today we'll talk about um, I had something planned just as my little fact I you know because I do learn so many things on a daily basis and um, so here's here's your little fact today uh, in case you don't like to do a lot of this stuff, or you're just like, just tell me what's going on. Um, there's this one. There's this new, advanced form of remote viewing. 
Now, um, if you don't know what remote viewing is, basically remote viewing is a technique or, or the practice of seeking impressions about a distant or unseen target. So, for example, some person might be in maybe in the same city or maybe in a different city and they use like mind telepathy to uh, essentially see seek out certain targets or certain peoples in a certain area that they are not current like currently present in and um and uh, wikipedia says that there's no scientific evidence that remote viewing exists but they're basically basing that off of um the the fact that there hasn't been proper controls and repeatability that is to say that um it just like for example one person might uh, have a, a great experience with it, but then they're they're saying that essentially repeatability is is difficult to do, right? Because that's how the scientific uh, process works. You know, it's got to be um, measurable, repeatable, and there's like one something else: uh, observable, measurable, and repeatable. And that's what constitutes its science. But what if, what if you can't see it? What if there's some things that you can't explain? Then is it not scientific? Or is it alternative science? Like, what do you call those things that you can't see? What if, what, what if there are some things in this life that you just cannot explain and it, there needs to be another modality by which to explain these things? And it's not so much like observable, repeatable, and measurable. What if, how do you measure something that can't be measured, right? Think about God, right? Measurable, observable, repeatable. How do you... And I guess God would kind of fall under the the idea of, um, uh, is it unfalsifiability or falsifiability? The idea that if you can't disprove something, then um, you can't prove it either. Um, so I don't know. Either way, uh, so remote viewing. And so there's a special, there's a special kind of remote, uh, remote viewing. It's called extension neurosensing. Extension neurosensing. And there's this guy, Dr. Luke Montager, and uh, he was a Nobel Prize nominee in, I want to say, this says, has a date of January 31st, 2011, but um, you have to check, fact check me on that. Um, but essentially, him and his team of scientists discovered how to successfully teleport DNA from one place to another. Um, and not only did they did it transport, but it also made a replica of itself, so that the the same DNA mockup existed si- simultaneously in two different places, which is obviously a huge breakthrough for human science or for human science. And um, and so some people have been um, have speculated that a- certain alien races have used this technique to travel through space and time. And uh, maybe we'll talk about that at a later date. But in a nutshell, ENS, extended neurosensing, extended neurosensing, is this. A human being applying this technique, a specific technique, um, lies in a relaxed, renaissance-inducing sarcophagus while their vital energy thresholds are monitored. A photonic body or an avatar is induced, and through advanced technology and the person's own mental abilities, he is capable of neurologically extending, quote-unquote, himself wherever he wants to be. 
It could be nearby or to the edge of the physical universe or to even beyond. So the physics group has been able to open the doors of perception to explore nature and the universe in a manner that has never been possible before or even been perceived as a possibility, except when we see it in movies and we're like, okay, that's fake, but actually they're just telling us what they're actually doing and what's actually going on in the universe and in our world. Um, so by expanding on the research of these scientists, um, Albert Einstein and David Bohm, they've been able to accomplish getting astonishing results from this specific technique. And so, isn't that kind of cool? So that's something I was, I, I'm, I'm studying on. Uh, I'm starting to learn a little bit about uh, <coughs> multi-dimension and quant quantum physics and such things like that. But not to bore you at all with uh, all of this fun alternative information, uh, we are now going to get into our teaching for the day, which is talking um, about what goes into your heart, what goes into you. Um, in Matthew chapter 15, verse 10, Jesus called the multitude to him, and he says to them this. He says, hear and understand. Jesus is always saying that. Why is he always saying hear and understand? Because the assumption is, for most people, that what you hear, you do understand. And the reality is, is that what most people hear, they don't understand. But if you don't understand it, how can you properly respond to it? So, for example, uh, if you've ever said something to your dad or your children or to a friend of yours and they answered back something, you're like, bro, that's at, what? What are you saying? You're not answering my question. You didn't. And they're like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Wait, what did you say? Remember? And so it, it kind of shows them and it shows you that they didn't understand what you were saying. Um Either they answered it in a different way or they maybe even didn't answer you at all. Maybe they heard you but didn't, you know, didn't have an answer for you. So the implication is that people hear but they don't understand. And Jesus knew that completely. He was like, man, these people have ears but they don't hear. They have eyes but they don't see. So... If I tell them straight up something, how wouldn't here's and I think this is kind of the point of of why he would say that is if you tell somebody something straight up, and this is why I don't think that Jesus was running around telling everybody that he was the Messiah. He only said it to very few people, and um, in fact, yeah, I mean it was just very few people. Um, why? Because. They were going to kill him anyways. People were going to kill him anyways. And I I think it has to do with this idea of accountability and, like, what are you accountable for, right? Because if he hides uh, the truth in a parable, then it's easy for a person to say, okay, well, I, well, I didn't know because it wasn't very clear for me to understand and know what he was speaking about. Um, and so it's going to be less, I guess you're going to get less judgment for that because, and here's why, because... Um, here's Jesus giving you something, and if you don't, in your heart, steward that, say, even if you don't understand, you can say, okay, listen, I don't understand this. I'm trying to understand this. I want to understand it, instead of just taking it at face value, which is what most Christians do, and which most people just take things at face value instead of trying to understand the deeper meaning behind it. And I, I just think that that's, I think that poses an issue, right? 
it poses an issue. Like, have you know, you go to church or you read your Bible and you just read it for what it says and you don't go any deeper. And I'm not saying that reading it is um, to read it is wrong. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great book. If you want to read through it, go ahead and do it. But there is also another part that I think is important, which is understanding what you're reading. Because if you if you're reading something and you don't understand it, and if you're just reading it to read it, then, um, you know, I, I would say that it's hard to teach something like that. It's hard to respond to the word of God if you don't understand what the word of God is saying. And so it's, I would say it's, it's very important. So the implication that Jesus had when he was on earth is that people have ears, but they don't hear, they have eyes and they don't see. And so he spoke to people in parables. And instead of speaking to them plainly, um, he, yeah, he never spoke without a parable because if he had spoken clearly, they probably one wouldn't have understood them or they wouldn't have believed him and they would have been more harshly judged for, for that. So remember, um, there was a point in time when Jesus was like, listen, if I had not come and told you what I had to tell you, then you would have been, you would have been fine. You would have been judged. You wouldn't have known. But because I have come and told you uh, what's up and what's really going on, you are you're being judged. And so, um, you know, the mission, the call and my encouragement to you would be hear and understand. So never just take anything at face value. Never read the Bible and just be like, okay, that's what it says. And that's it. Go deeper. Who is he talking to? Why would he say this? What period of time? What was going on? Um, let's take a look at the historical, the moral, the literal, um, and the spiritual perspectives that, that we can find. And that's that's treasure in a field right there. The field is the Bible, and uh, the mystery, the word, the depth of the word is the treasure. So sell all you have and find that treasure, guys. So Jesus says, hear and understand. He says, not what enters into the mouth defiles the man, but what proceeds out of the mouth defiles the man. Now, this sounds very clear, right? It's like, okay, well, we just, just it doesn't matter what you eat. It matters what comes out of you, right? <laughs> but if you take it at face value, then you miss what he's saying. So he's saying, hear and understand. Perceive what I am saying. Look deeper into the words that I'm speaking to you. Uh, and Jesus, in this passage, he's not talking about physical food. He's talking about the traditions of man as opposed to the divine law and the word and commandment of God. See, the traditions of men came from the mouths of the scribes and the Pharisees, and um, it defiled them. Right. Uh, and here's why I defiled them, because um, here they were uh, adding to and interpreting the word of God to include all of these other things that actually put a burden on themselves and kept them far away from God. So instead of coming closer to him, coming nearer to him, um, they actually created these barriers between themselves and God. And it was called tradition. Well, we have to wash our hands first and we can't eat that and we can't do that. and We can't do this over here. And it was all these external laws that they were applying to themselves and trying to um, change their, I don't think they were really actually trying to change their heart. And um, maybe some of them were 
uh, were good in the sense that they they just knew that this is what we did. This is how we've grown up with. We have the teat seats. We have the um, you know the covering over the head. We we wear the shawl. We wear all these things. Um, our mannerisms are like this. We don't associate with certain people, and that's that's what God wants. And um, really, it's just their interpretation of what God wants instead of actually what what truly God wants. And so, the traditions of men are called dung, dung in the book of Ezekiel. And generally, um, Ezekiel, well, in the book of Ezekiel. Uh, he uses the term to mean idol, dung as an idol. And so what happens when Jesus explains this to his disciples? Well, Jesus explains this, that whatever spiritual food you eat or you listen to or that you consume, right, whatever spiritual food you eat, now remember the the food the word of God is is food it's spiritual food for us it nourishes our souls right um, but there are some people who take that word and they they distort it they add things to it or they take away something from it and they add their own interpretation or they add their own tradition to it right and that's when you get progressive gospels or the um, prosperity gospels or or all grace gospels or all law gospels um with with the misunderstanding there there are some people um who, who they they take the word of god and really it's just in defense of their own belief and that belief could be good or that belief could be bad and so when you listen to that word when you listen to a preacher preach and if they have um, an idol set up in their hearts, and that idol could be a doctrine, it could be uh, a systematic theology, it could be, well, it has to be like this, because it's, because this is what the Bible says, and this is how it's always been interpreted, like this. Um, it could be anything like that, and so if you take that, that spiritual food, what Jesus is saying is that um, if you, if, doesn't matter who you're taking spiritual food from, if it can't be digested, if it's not going to benefit you, um, if it's not going to grow the spiritual man, um, then it's eliminated. It's going to come out of you, just like food is. When you eat food, um, you poop it out, and you're done with it, right? Um, but uh, the real problem is if that food that you eat, and it could be, again, it could be... Um, it could be uh, bad food or it could be good food. The issue is that when that food, after it is processed and after it is turned to dung, it comes back up through the mouth and it's dispensed to the people as a tradition of men. So that's the issue that, that we have to be careful of, right? That, yeah, it's fine to like listen to other teachers and other preachers and believers like speak on something, right? But oftentimes what happens is people will take these words, oh, wow, that was really good, but it's really a word that was, it's a twisted word or um, it doesn't have the, the same integrity. It doesn't hold the same principles of the word of God. And people will take it in and they'll just start spouting it off and parroting what their pastor said because it sounds good on Twitter to post, right? So 
that's one thing that we have to be careful of. So um, as believers, as we grow up, we should be mature enough to eat all kinds of food, spiritual food, spiritually speaking, even that which has been sacrificed to idols. So, uh, you know, and I, I'll bring this up to the day I don't. Um, you know, the doctrine, the doctrine of hell. The doctrine of hell is an idol for people. It is an idol in the hearts of people. They cannot get over um, a reality that exists beyond people being tortured forever. They cannot, they cannot believe that God would be good enough and that he has a, such a wise plan to remove uh, people from this situation. They, they don't understand that, how God could ever do that. They don't understand. Um, and so they are creating with their own collective consciousness. The church is cr- creating this place called hell. And um, they are perpetuating um, evil is what it is. And no matter, you know, generally generally the people that I've run into um, who have, have brought up, they'll ask questions, but they don't ask questions with an open heart. They ask questions really just to defend their own position and to, like, bring up five different things that they, um, you know, so to block their, their idol, which is hell. And um, so anyway, so this is, this is, that's the example that I bring up. And the reality is that I, you know, if God asked me to go to a church or if he goes, asked me to meet up with people and they are teaching this or if they're saying this, that's, uh, you know, not that it's fine with me in the sense that like that, you know, what they're teaching is good, but I should be able to digest any kind of teaching without, you know, feeling defiled by it. Like me hearing and and this goes for a lot of believers with you know new age. Oh well, brother, you, you don't want to uh, mix in too much with the new age people, and you don't want to listen to those. You don't want to be deceived by what they're saying. It's like, listen, guys, um, you trust God and do what He says. That's it. Um, you have to learn how to trust Him, anyways, right? So the best situation to do that is when you get yourself in a situation that uh, you have to rely on Him for. You know, and I'm not saying like go put yourself in those types of situations, but I'm saying you shouldn't be afraid, right? Don't be afraid. So, but there are a lot of believers out there who are afraid. Though they don't want, well, these people are they're mystics or they're Buddhists or they're this and they're that, and I'm afraid. You know, they're afraid of what they might hear them say. They're afraid of what they might hear them speak, right? Because they've been taught that they're going to be deceived or that they're going to be defiled if they go over there. There's a lot of people in the holy holiness movement um, who are exactly like this, right? They don't go around certain people. They don't use certain names. They don't say certain things because they don't want to be impure. They don't want to be defiled by the world around them. They don't go out. They don't do anything, right? Because they're defiled, because they're, they, they have a weak faith and, and a weak conscience. And so the wilderness is really the only place where you can learn um, to strengthen your faith and your conscience. Um, and really, it's just about trusting God. So we have to understand that anything that comes from anyone, like we have to allow, I mean, the scripture says it pretty plainly. It says, um, do not despise prophecy, but he says to test the spirits. Let's test it out. Check it out. See see what's going on. 
And if it's if it's an issue, then then it'll it'll go out. You know, it's gonna it's gonna come in, it's gonna come out. But if it's good, then it, it, your body will be nourished by it, right? But if your stomach is weak, you'll probably throw up some of these things, right? And um and one that that might come in the feeling of being defiled, or two that might be just a case that you've assumed now um, to parrot a tradition of men and spout maybe or even a tradition of your own. So the point is, we should be able to go back into the world. We should be able to go into the world, and we should be able to be ambassadors of the reconciliation of God without being defiled by the world's food, which has been sacrificed to idols. Their their language, their philosophy, their doctrine, their teachings, their traditions. You shouldn't, you're not going to be defiled by those things. But if you think you will be, then then you need to bring that before God. Um, but if we are sent back while we are yet weak in the faith and in, and in conscience, the world's food will defile us. And there was a period of time where, like, I was really, I was as I was learning, getting back to the Hebrew roots and stuff like that, I didn't use the name Jesus, and I didn't like being in places that did. Um, there was a point in time when I was like, uh, didn't really like being in churches, and constantly I don't really to this day, but um, but when I go in there, now I'm asked, I'm, I have to rely fully when I percent on the Father to like, to, to help me, and I'm constantly checking myself that I'm not being prideful, and that I'm not um, doing, you know, just being prideful and just in my in my being selfish, and so if I go, I I should be able to hear teaching and say, okay, well, here's what the scripture says about it, and here's let's go back to it, and and you know, and take what you can, die, and if it's good, it'll nourish you, and if it's not, then it's it, it'll go out, right? As long as it doesn't come back up and be regurgitated, um, and um, like like we parrot something that's. A, not our tradition. That's a tradition of man, and that's not from God. So that is why God brings us into the wilderness for training. And so um, associating with all the, the Babylonians or the Canaanites or the church or in the world, it's not what defiles you. Jesus did that kind of stuff all the time, and he associated with all sorts of sinners without defilement. But the Pharisees, the Pharisees couldn't do this. They had a weak conscience. They didn't want to be tainted by the sinners. And it was really true for them. They were like, bro, you're hanging out with people. They're going to defile you. How will you be able to go into the temple and worship a holy God and a set-apart God if you're hanging out with these people? That's how they thought. Um, that's how it is. And there's some people still in the, in the church today. How can, how can you go into the church and you were hanging out with these people yesterday. How can you go into the church and pretend that you're a Christian if you were doing this yesterday? And I'm not saying like sinning, but I'm talking about, you know, hanging out with certain people. Or you were listening to a Buddhist monk yesterday. I can't believe that you can step into a church and not feel defiled. It's like, whoa, pull back. Let's just take a second. So um, the Pharisees were like that. But Jesus went and ate with them. He didn't have a problem with it at all. And why is that? It wasn't because the sinners were so righteous. He recognized the problem, but Jesus was able to eat with them and to not be defiled, even if they still believed traditions that were of a heart idolatry. And so we, in the same way, must emulate and must um, 
imitate Jesus. Um, to those who say they know him, we must walk the way that he walked. And so, and of course, that is in love. And so we'll be talking about uh, speaking the truth in love. And um, we'll talk about how God in the wilderness will remove us for a time because the church needs God's protection from self-righteous people who think they know it all, these overcomers, and who try to beat up the, the church with the truth. The church needs protection, and that's why he removes us, because if he didn't teach us to rely fully on him and to show humility, then, um, to be honest, I'd be in the church be acting a fool, or really would be acting a fool. That's not right. That's not it. You know, I've fared, done my shit far... I've done my fair share of uh, pushing people away, straight up. So, and um, not ashamed to admit it, because uh, I'm learning, as we all are. Okay, guys, blessings to you. We'll see you on our next episode on the Overcoming Life podcast.